My guest today is known as Fanacek. It is also the name of his podcast, which is the manifestation of how he is currently bringing his passions to life. I hope this resonates with a lot of you who may be in a corporate career or maybe in just some other type of career that isn't really aligned with what lights you up. So Fanacek had a childhood which really pointed to things that he loved. And he was working on some of these things in his 20s, and then he entered the corporate world. And he got married and had kids, and it was really hard for him to find a way to bring his passions back to life. And it's been in the past year that he's found this podcast, which is opening up new doors. And I'm really excited for you to hear his story and hopefully be inspired. Welcome to the Create Beautifully podcast, where the potential in me honors the potential in you. If you're wondering if you can really change and truly find and live your purpose, then I invite you to let me be your accountability partner and for you to be mine. And together, we can explore with curiosity and humor what it is to create beautifully in every area of our lives and to take action to make that happen. Fanacek, hello. Hello. How are you doing today? Doing great. I am very excited to have you on my podcast. I'm excited to be doing it. So we've known each other for about 17 years. Very long time. Right? It was like a million years. Yeah. <laughs> and we met long before your corporate career. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. What were we doing when we met? We were actors. We were Sketch actors. comedy, improv, funny young people who went out on Friday nights. Yeah. (laughs) And I knew you. Yeah, I knew you in that world. Mm -hmm. I also knew you as a guy with a lot of writing ideas and a lot of creative ideas. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, and then as I've watched you, you know, a lot of life has has taken over and you kind of entered the corporate world which I think happens to a lot of people. And I also think currently a lot of people are doing the opposite in the corporate world and then finally getting out. Sure. (laughs) Um, So, you know, this podcast is about creating beautifully in areas of our lives that we've kind of ignored for a while. Because there's, there are lots of gardens. I like my garden analogy. There are a lot of gardens that naturally bloom for us. And there are some that we've kind of thrown tarps over and shoved in the corner for a long time. And watching you and watching your journey, I feel like kind of your creative garden was something that you threw, you know, you kind of tucked in the corner for a while. Um, and it's been really cool to see your your alter ego, Fanacek, come out and, and how you've kind of found something that's been really meaningful to you while navigating your corporate career. Yeah, it's been, it's been fun. I think that... Uh... I think oftentimes things are a reaction, right? And, and I feel like in all those years of, with acting and, and being in that world of comedy and acting and knowing other actors, that's all I really hung out and spent time with. You see, I mean, quite frankly, you see a lot of people broke or not further in life. I mean, we're talking people approaching 40 with no health insurance, living in apartments with roommates. And I think, I think sometimes we were, I think the, the, the choice to go corporate and do different things was a reaction to that. The fear of, I don't want to be one of those people. I want to have money. I want to have kids. I want to get married, all that stuff. And I didn't have a lot of money growing up. So I think I was chasing that for a while. I think some of it was a direct reaction to, whoa, whoa, this, this artist 
this creative lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, everyone's broke. And, and, you know, we still know people doing it. Some have had great success. Some are famous. Mm-hmm. But others, I mean, I see them on Facebook still <laughs> looking for a new roommate. I'm like, yikes, right. man. Yeah. You're pushing 50. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But, but yes, you're right. I, 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 did not, I was not taking care of that garden for, for many years. Well, I think there are a lot of people who probably, who probably jumped into that. Whether or not they even spent time at any point in their life pursuing a passion of theirs. You know, you had... You know, before your corporate career, you had several years pursuing a passion of yours. I think some people even just shut it down their whole life sure. for one reason or another, you know? Well, again, you know, we talk about reactions prior to acting. I was in the military for a long time. Right. So I feel like it's been a big ping-pong-y thing. Mm. You know, military for almost nine years, which, uh, I mean, I gave my 20s to that. So so I just got out of the military. It was like, well, what, what can I do that would be fun and feed that creative stuff? And I've read all these books about SNL, and I, I knew I kind of knew the world of the groundlings and the world of Second City. So that's what led me down that path. But again, it was one extreme to the other. And then once I was done with acting, I went to the other extreme, which was corporate. Yeah. And, uh, and this has been kind of a happy medium so far. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are going to be a lot of people who are – who are, you know, possibly on a path that fulfills them in one way, but doesn't really fulfill their soul. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really feel like this, you know, a greater purpose. It doesn't really, you know, light them up in some way. Um, and they're trying to look for, and we'll get it, we'll, you know, as we go here, we'll get into this. But I feel like, I feel like a lot of people, and it's, it seems a little bit like what I saw with you is, is, how do you bring that back in? How do you how do you pull a creative purpose in? How do you how do you justify the time spent on it? And then I feel like for a lot of more corporate minded people, um, it can be like, well, why would I do that if it's not going to bring me money? Like, right. do I have a monetization plan? Mm. Uh, you know, it feels kind of crazy. So. So I don't know. I mean, if you want to start by sharing kind of your story, like I said, I know, I, you know, I've known you for 17 years. So lots of years through all this. And I, I feel like there were a lot of years where this piece of you was really dry. Even if things would come in, you'd kind of come up with ideas and yeah. kind of let it go and come up with ideas and kind of let it go. So how did you, I think it'd be important for people to hear like how, like, how did you know this was it? What made you really go for it? So you mean the podcast? I, I still don't know that this is it. You oh, know, yeah. I, I feel Did we like mention this... you had a podcast? It's your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a podcast. For the intro. I have a, yeah, let's, uh, let's catch people up. Let's talk about what fan is. I know they probably hear the voice like, we know him. He's famous. He's right. Yeah. Famous the world over. No, no. I have a podcast called Fanacheck, and uh, it explores a lot of things with film and television and pop culture and, and that sort of thing. So, so to catch everyone up. However, to get to your question, I don't know that this is the final this is it. I think this is just a step toward it. Yes. You know what I mean? So, so let me rephrase then. I don't. Toe I, back in that yes. So when I when I say it, like this is it, I don't mean this is the thing you've been working toward. I mean, what was it about this thing that that made you pursue, begin to pursue something? Because you said no to so many things for so long. Yeah. This is something you've really picked up and and run with. There's several. I mean, it's kind of a long story. Okay. <laughs> I was born a poor black child, yes. <laughs> to quote Steve Martin. <laughs> um, you know, well, well, first off, I was I, I have I I was older when I realized that I have a different relationship with TV than most people. Um, I think to some people it's just entertainment, or it's it's just like you watch it and you forget about it. You know what I mean? And for me, I feel like I was really partially raised by television. My parents weren't around a lot for a lot of years when I was growing up. Meaning they'd be out at night. 
Yeah. Uh, either going out or fucking selling Amway or whatever it was that they were doing it. And I was home alone. I was actually on someone else's podcast recently telling the story. I remember being I remember being like ten or eleven years old and, and home alone watching thirty something. And I was following the show. Now if you don't know, I'm sure you don't know thirty something. You, you can look it up. But it was uh it was like a, a, a prime time drama in the eighties, uh, really dark. And it followed these different couples in their 30s. I remember one storyline was the woman was, had cancer. And she was going through chemo, so she's losing her hair. And her husband, played by Timothy Busfield, who still had a great career, uh, he got caught with a playboy because, you know, I, I mean, again, he's in his 30s. I think sex was off the table. His wife was losing hair to cancer. She yeah. finds he has a playboy. I'm 11, mind yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm watching this play out. Another couple were dealing with infidelity issues. Yeah. So this was my life. This was how I was raised. I remember watching... All the old reruns of the of the Odd Couple and all the Norman Lear shows on. So I just I just it was a surrogate parent in, in a way, um, and and I read a lot too as a kid. I did. I read actually I was a real bookworm, but I think TV had more of a, a place in my heart. So so there was that. So that's almost that's always been in the in the backdrop. You know that was a big part yes. of my growing up and my memory for that stuff or, or my desire to learn it is almost not to pat myself on the back, but it's almost prodigious in the sense that you know like since COVID, I'll give you an example. As you know, I uh, I had I went this obsession with John Adams. So I've read probably six or seven books specifically about John Adams since COVID. So in the last three years, yeah, so they were either directly about John Adams or 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 he was involved peripherally, whatever maybe. But the point is, if you sat me down now and asked me to list out everything I know about John Adams, it's probably not a whole lot. I don't retain it, right? Um, however, I can tell you everything about season two of Mr. Belvedere, yeah. <laughs> which I haven't seen since the eighties. So, yeah. I, so there's a. I was raised on it, but there was just a natural inclination. That's the stuff I remember. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I just, I just retain all the information. Whereas again, I, I I can read a book about John Adams and I enjoy it, but a month later, uh, where is he from again? And what? Oh, oh yeah, I did that? not know that. Mm-hmm. I just figured you just picked up all trivia, like trivia just stuff. No, it's pre- primarily that stuff, and it, it's always stuck with me. So you look at a. I was raised on it, um, and had uh, such an attachment to it. Plus, just a natural inclination. To, that was int- that's what lit me up. I was really interested in that stuff. I liked that stuff. So I, I was a horrible student. I did well in standardized tests. I was a smart kid. But I was a horrible student, but I loved television, and I knew that stuff really well. So that's like the the growing up of it. Now, now we want to get to how I got into the podcast, or yeah. So okay. yeah. So you had a love of this. Yeah. Basically, it's more than a love. It's like a a love, sure, a need for it. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is what I find interesting. So. I feel like so many times our passions start in childhood. We had when we when I had the pool boys on, we talked a lot about their love of sports and just the way that they really interacted with it. it was more than just kind of like your average, you know, boy who likes sports. Um, and I feel like you know I've talked about some of my photography journey, and that was all that started when I was young. And I feel like a lot of it just starts. It starts when we're young, and I think it's so important to do this as parents that I, I don't think a lot of our parents knew to do. Certainly your parents, who basically just shoved you in front of TV, mm-hmm. didn't know to say, we notice you love TV. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? But I, I feel like um, as kids, we just do these things, and we think they're cool, and 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 we, we like them, so we watch TV, or we talk about TV, or, you know, for me, I take photos or ask for a camera. But we don't have any adult figures, and I think this is why people drop their passions so much. I don't think we have adult figures. I don't think there are people in our lives going, I see this passion that you have. Right. I see it. I see where you're spending your time. I see what your brain is constantly thinking about. Let me help n- nurture that. Let me try to figure out 
how we could parlay that into something at some point for you. Yeah. You know, do you want to learn script writing? Do you want to, you know, uh, you know, whatever it is, like, do you want to learn how to make films or run a camera or, you know, just, just, you know, I, I just don't, I just feel like when we don't, and so many of us didn't have adults saying, I see you where you're spending your time. You know, I have a daughter who spent a lot of time doing soccer and I've talked about this and, but she never practiced, but she did dance all the time with her younger sister. And I just said, I'm going to tell you what I see you doing. I see you doing, you know, and so it's just interesting. I just wanted to to note that because you're not the first person to come on this podcast and say this this light started when you were little, even if it was out of darkness. Right. Um. And it's very few people who get who have a smart adult witness that. Yeah, it's yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, my I have a lot of anger around that. Not not just towards my my folks, but. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly had no, I feel like I had no knowledge. Like, yeah. um, so it's not just pushed in the direction of, Hey, you're passionate about this. You should pursue it. Right. Now, again, my, I was primarily a single mom for the most part, you know, met in, in and out, but it was just that one concert with my mom, but she was doing the best she could too. I mean, she's not ever been, I, I don't come from any line of achievers that I can tell, you know what I right. mean? And so she was working, you know, we grew up in New York and so she didn't, she was doing the best she could quite frankly. However, you're right. There was no like, hey, I see you doing this. So, so a, I was never pushed in that direction. But also, I think like I had no life skills either. Mm. So, so to, to, I wasn't one ever going to be one of those people. Who's like, the second I graduate high school, I'm fucking out of here, packing up the car, I'm getting on a Greyhound, and I'm going to right. LA. That was just never going to happen. Like I, and I still have those same limitations. I, I had a lot of opportunities. So I grew up in the Bronx, right, which is a 20 minute train ride, the one of the nine, right into into Manhattan. And uh, so during high school, my summer job for most summers was as a messenger, in Manhattan, which is the coolest job ever. So I knew Manhattan like the back of my hand. And, and I still have a lot of anger. Like, why, and I hated school, mind you, and, and had no real desire to go to college except right. to maybe drink and meet girls, right? Right. I still wonder why the hell I didn't reach the second high school is over, just get back on that one of the nine train, 20 minutes into, into fucking to Columbus Circle, and there's NBC, yeah. ABC, CBS, MTV, whatever, and go get a job on the military. Yeah. Because I always had a great work ethic, and that would have been exciting. And I don't know why I didn't do that. And, and again, I, I, I wish I had parents who would suggest right. that. Would have saved them a lot of money in fucking college that got wasted. Because I went to Boston University for a year, dropped out, and then joined the military. But I feel like a lot of money was wasted. I, I joined the military, gave away my 20s to that, when all I could have done was for a dollar twenty-five, gone to fucking Columbus Circle, like I said, and, 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 and gone and work in the middle. And who knows what would have happened then from there. Yeah. You know, and then and then even even after that, I had another opportunity. Talk about wasted opportunities. So I did go to Boston University for a year, and and, and on our floor, one side of the floor, I lived in the dorms. One side of the floor is, is guys. The other side of the floor is these girls. And I became pretty friendly with a lot of the girls. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because they had television reception on their side. <laughs> so, so it all comes out of TV. So again, this is not. I'm dating myself. I 95 to 96. So there were no cable ready TVs, not in the dorms. Yeah. So still antenna based. Our side, like I said, one side of the hall of the building, if you will, is guys. We didn't have any television reception, but the girls did. And I could not let a Thursday night go without my 9210, my party of five, and all that shit. So I became pretty friendly with the girls. And one of them, her name was Amanda Ross, I don't forget. And she's from Beverly Hills. And her father, 
produced something. I know one of the movies he produced was Batteries Not Included, which to this day I've not seen. Oh, I've seen Batteries Not Included. Little flying metal things, right? I've actually seen that movie several times. Well, there you go. (laughs) Well, he produced that. That was one of his projects. And she even offered, as I told everyone, I'm not coming back next year. She's like, hey, you should move out to L.A. You can stay at my mom's. Because she was going to go back to VU. And and this was not someone, I mean, we were just friends. She can come stay stay there and you can get a job. But but again, I didn't have the life skills for that. The so idea of saying, uh, how do you get to Los Angeles? Yeah. I couldn't figure it out. Do you, do, so specifically, do you mean like, yeah, I'm curious that you keep using the phrase life skills. I didn't know anything. Like, I feel like my mom was so, af- we never had money. She was so fear-based that she just didn't want to expose me to any reality. Like, like when I say life skills, I mean this. Okay, we're, okay you're, you're, you're 19, 18, 19, 20 years old, whatever it is. We're going to put you in the city. Go ahead and survive. It would never occur to me, well, how do you get an apartment? How do you sign a lease? How do you? I remember being a fucking adult and, and, and walking by a car dealership, some little shitty car, like $13,000, right? And thinking, well, I'll never own a car ever because I'll never even have $13,000, much less twenty five or $30,000 or $40,000. Yeah. I didn't know that what you do is you take out a loan and you make car payments every yeah. month. I didn't, I mean, I didn't know. Yeah. I just, and some of that's on me, look, I, I, I should have been someone to figure it out and I didn't. So yeah. I, 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 that's why I think I went to the military because it's fucking easy. Well, I feel like it has to be in your brain as something that's possible. So, so aside from life skills, like you wouldn't know to go look for those life skills if it wasn't in your brain that like people did this and I can be one of them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, I so feel like is. first you have to think like. Oh, there are people who don't go to college and work in the mailroom at NBC right. or MTV. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, like, and they are regular people and I'm a regular person. And then, and then I feel like your brain starts mm-hmm. going like, okay, what do we need to do? But you just, but we don't, there's so many things where we don't realize we have an option. Like it just right. doesn't even enter our consciousness as a, as yeah. a choice. And when you come from, it's quite frankly, people who have never been successful or, or pursued their dreams, you, you don't see it as a possibility. Oh, I mean, someone has to write these movies. Right. Someone has to be on TV shows. Yeah. But you, if there's like, a, oh, that's those kind of people who achieve that, and I'm not one of those kind of people. Because yeah. um, it just seems so foreign. And which is funny, because I wasn't from, you know, bumfuck Iowa. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was from New York. Right. I was, in, I, I was in Manhattan all the time. Well, it's like... I heard I heard this one thing always sticks out in my head. Say, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill on Howard Stern. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my we, god. We talked about this, yeah. Yeah. When he talks about growing up basically in the film industry, and so you know, you and I were out in LA pursuing lives as actors, and lots, you know, millions and millions of people do that. Um, and Jonah Hill just had that story where he was like, you know, I just grew up watching. We had we had just you know, his family and their family friends, they were all in movies and TV. And he's like, I just, I just grew up being like, oh yeah, of, co- of course I can do this. Cause like everyone around me does it. Right. And it's, it's just a shift in consciousness. Like he had no more skills than you did. He grew up seeing, seeing something that was possible. Like he saw people do it. And so his brain registered it as a possibility. Sure. Yeah. You it's know? like, if you grew up in a family of lawyers, well, it's like, well, yeah, when I grow up, I can probably join the law firm. I can probably do that. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll right. become a lawyer and I'll have right. Yeah, right. yeah. But it was just, um, but that sticks out to me all the time. Sure. Just as a sh- as a general shift in consciousness, because there's so many things in general in life that we're like, 
can't do this, can't do this, not good at this, not good at this, like side note, like women and money, for example, whatever, whatever. But if you grew up in the environment, yeah, but it's the same body, it's the same brain. You just get different grooves. Sure. You know what I mean? So perspective. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. That was, that was like a tangent on your life skills. Mm. Well, let's go to LA, <laughs> <laughs> which I would then do later, but yeah, I worked with Julian. Oh, yeah, you mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. Nice guy. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> I met him before he blew up, before he was famous. Yeah. yeah. So so you didn't go work in the mailroom, and you didn't take this girl up on her offer. I did not. Well, again, I, Amanda, I wouldn't have known how. Like, how, well, how do you get to L.A.? And when I'm there, I don't know. Did you? I, I, did I have it a lot sound of, exciting? Like, did you have, was there like, so this one lady uses this term animation, which would be like an inner feeling of like excitement or like lit up around something. Like, when she offered that to you, do you recall having like a, <gasps> Or was not really? I, I think the primary memory I have of it was being like, yeah, I can't do that. Mm. You know? Uh, and, yeah. And I probably couldn't have at that point. Yeah. Because I'm out there, but I need to drive around. And I mean, I, I broke ass. Right. And, and they didn't go into a city where I didn't know anyone. You got to remember, even when I, everything I've, I, I, at that point, whenever I've taken any leaps in, in either jobs or, or, or geography, they were always, I moved around a lot as a kid, but you have your parents, right? Yeah. Um, and then when I went to college, I was actually living with my best friend. I mean, mm-hmm. we were roommates in the dorms. Like we, yeah. right? Joining the military, although it sounds scary, you're pretty well taken care of. You know, every day you're going to have somewhere to sleep. You have no decisions to make. You have somewhere, you, you're told where to go. You have, you know where you're going to sleep. You know where you're going to eat. You have health insurance automatically. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. So I just kind of always took that path of least resistance. Because um, I just couldn't, I didn't know how, I didn't have the skills to figure shit out. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. And then when you went to LA, you went with even, the Navy. Even that? Well, uh, well, right. yeah, to California. I was up in Ventura. Right, to California. First. I was yeah. up in Ventura County. Um, and then I started, uh, that's where I started to kind of figure shit out. Because, yeah. I mean, I didn't know anyone in California. And although I was, uh, the Navy did bring me out there, I wasn't going to live on base. So I, I, had a, I had a room in the barracks. I checked in. I remember, because I remember, they moved me. So they, they had a moving truck that moved me. But, it's, but I had a Chevy Blazer. SUV. So all the important shit I, I had with me, which included my TV. I remember I drove cross country with this big giant color TV. So I was like, wherever I sleep the first couple nights in California, at least want to have TV uh, and VCR. Um, but but I mean, I dropped my stuff off at the barracks and then they went find an apartment. So then it started to change. Like I figured that out, yeah. got an apartment. And then that's when I, I when I finished college, still in the Navy, that's when I started going on the ground lease and driving to LA and yeah. taking ground lease classes. And that kind of opened it up to me more. I was like, oh, so you just moved here from Pennsylvania and you're taking classes at the ground lease too? And mm. I started meeting people who were just all pursuing this stuff. Yeah. 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 It's really interesting. I know that, I know you don't know like a ton about the Enneagram, but we talk about the Enneagram sometimes on here and I'm just noticing that. So you're an Enneagram eight. For those who don't know, the Enneagram eights, one of their main focus is to protect themselves and others from vulnerability. So if you're making choices first by making sure there's like a safety net before you go, like that fits right in. Like mm. I don't like if I just jump, that's way too vulnerable. Right. But if I'm like, okay, I've got my best friend as my home base. Okay, the navy moved me out. Like, okay, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's always there's always like sense. baby steps and everything. I always ended right. on the shallow end. <laughs> and yeah, that's slowly. what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah but yeah. that's totally that's totally in like uh, protecting yourself from vulnerability. Because if you just jump in the deep mm-hmm. end, who the fuck knows what's there? Yeah, you know. And then yeah, I made friends. Of the, I made a good friend of the Growlings, and so when I got out of the Navy and had to move down to LA, 
His roommate was moved back. He was from yeah. Philly. His roommate was moved back to Philly. So it was in Van Nuys, and he needed a roommate. So ready-made, had a friend. So yeah, that's when I started trusting things more. So I can kind of figure this shit out. Yeah. And I'm proud to say I've been paying my own rent ever since. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very proud of you. Yeah. I remember uh, it was like in the well into the 2000s when I made my first online payment for something. I was so fucking proud. <laughs> I paid that bill without, without an envelope and a stamp. <laughs> I was so, so fucking excited. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. awesome. But I don't right. know what we're talking about. Yeah, okay. I know. So you're in LA. Well, we're, gonna, we're getting, we're getting, we got to get to the... Mm-hmm. We're, we're gearing up to kind of, so you got, you have a little bit of LA probably to tell and then kind of like the corporate. Yeah. But then when like the shift. So, so where are we at? The LA stuff? <laughs> LA and mm-hmm. then you've got to get into, then we're got to get into corporate where kind of like the passion became not as important to pursue anymore. Yeah. Um, LA was interesting. I didn't really like a lot of the stuff that I did. Um, I wish I see again. I try to condense a lot. Really, I was only in LA a few years when you really think about it, and and I did a lot, and I actually accomplished quite a bit acting wise for someone who was only out there for. I mean, I got in a SAG right away, which I mean, it takes some people forever. Kevin Costner did seven years ago in the union. Wow. I was in the union right off of that. Okay? You were. Um, so so I had a lot of uh, green lights, if you'll quote Matthew McConaughey. Um, but I didn't like it, and so again, I didn't have the chance to explore it and, and work other things. I didn't really like acting a whole lot. Um, we did a lot of improv, which I didn't care for a whole, I mean, I really just didn't like it. I think I was in this little world of like, okay, I'm at Second City, where at Second City, the objective is to move up to the next thing, and you, you audition, move up to the next thing, you audition. But ultimately, as I look back, I didn't really enjoy that either. I wanted to just kind of, I think I think I would have preferred writing, because uh, improv, it's just, you're at the mercy of how you're feeling that day, and however your scene partner's feeling that day. You may be on stage with someone who sucks. Maybe I'll say you're someone who's great, but they're having an off day, or they're in a bad mood, or they just had fun with their girlfriend. So I didn't really like improv a whole lot. And then when I started booking paid gigs, I did some big, pretty big projects. Again, I worked with Jonah Hill on, yeah. on a movie and, and, and others. But it's a lot. It's not a lot of creativity, unless you're like, I mean, granted, I'm sure that people will get monologues and do important shit. I was a day player on these projects. So I, I, I mean, the biggest thing I ever did, I had a trailer. Like, well, I had a half a trailer. I forgot what they're called. But not the business for a while. You get their full trailers for the bigger stars. And then what they do is they have those same big trailers, but there's a wall in them, like a partition. Yeah. And there's and they they make it into two trailers. I had one of those. Nice. And uh, but I spent the most of the time in there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And then some girl would literally come knock on the door and give me a revised schedule. Two hours. I give, remember no smartphones at this point, and I have no internet. So I'm just sitting there with a book and looking out the window. <laughs> and then like two hours later, the girl, same girl, come knock on the door with my clothes on a hanger. And, I, and 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 then then the thing is, we're gonna put them on now because I'm going to this calendar. We're not gonna be out there for a couple hours. It's a military uniform. Two hours later, so it's a lot of that. And you go out there and you do yeah. it. And like, all right, let's re- reblock. And then they, they they change the shot, right? So now they want to do a master shot or this shot. And so you're like, shit. So it's not a lot of fun. Yeah, I that's what I found. That funny, the most fun I had was at that particular movie was filming on on Universal, the backlot Universal. Which was made up to look like uh, like war torn Poland, nineteen forty something or other, and uh, and and the crew the, the the tour still comes by where the trailers were. So my trailers maybe a ten minute walk from the back lot, and the the Universal tour goes by. So it's like a lot of tourists who think you're a star. So if you're sitting outside of a trailer in like a military uniform, and I was a smoker back then, so I'd just be there smoking cigarettes, they're all taking photos. So there's probably a lot of Asian tourists. Who in 2005? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of photos. Yeah, a lot of photos of me. Like, what happened to that guy? He didn't do shit. 
Uh, but, but yeah, so that was the most fun. Like, I didn't feel like a big shot for yeah. the tour. Yeah. Yeah, but, but ultimately something like that. So again, I didn't really get to explore it. I condensed a lot into a short amount of time and, and, and made these decisions and left. I, I wish I'd pursued writing more. But again, I, I don't know how. You don't know how. That's the thing, too. There was, no, there was a lot less information back then. Yeah. Now you could get it. If you, but I think right back then you really had to rely more on knowing. Yeah, writing. Yeah, really writing's hard. Now, well, anything, even acting. Now, there's so much more knowledge out there. You can listen to podcasts and learn so much more about how yeah. the industry works. Yeah. You know, um, well, on my podcast, it actually almost got me emotional a little bit. So I did a podcast. I haven't released it yet, and, and with a guy named Benny Yellen, who who wrote Dumb and Dumber, along with the Fairly Brothers, who wrote Dumb and Dumber. That's so cool. And towards the end, we actually ended, we ended the podcast and then talked for like another ten minutes. After that, so I don't, I don't recall if anyone I'm about to tell you made it in it or not. I don't, I don't remember when we talked about it, but he was just talking about getting started, and I, and we were talking about writing. I was like, well, that's actually what I was more interested in was writing than acting. But I was like, you don't know where to start, and I was like, shit, where were you 20 years ago? Because now I'm face to face talking to the guy who wrote Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, and I'm like, that would have been super helpful 20 years ago. The world's gotten smaller. I mean, I'm streaming our face-to-face with this guy. He lives in L.A., and, and we were talking. I have his email address. And, but I was like, man, I, I could have used this all those years ago, and, and I don't have yeah, – I didn't have it. Yeah. And so that was really um, – I don't know. Again, I don't blame the thing. I mean, now I sound like I'm whining. Like, I didn't have the life skills, and I didn't know. But you st- I, just, I, I wasn't someone who was capable of figuring it out. So I have a lot of sadness and anger on that for sure. Yeah. Because other areas of my life, I figure shit out all the time. Right. I mean, I've really excelled in my career. Yeah. At a very high level. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, but it's funny. I could take or leave it. I don't give a shit about that. But, yeah. But that pays the bills. And then you, then you find yourself in a trap, right? Because now it's like, well, you get married, you have kids, and you have the nice house. All the stuff I wanted. And, but, but it comes to the price, a literal one. <laughs> you have to keep paying every month. Yeah. And, and yeah, so it's like, well, this is the road I'm on now. So, so podcasting was one way where I could get some of this stuff out. So. Yeah, because you had you had random things over the years. Like mm. You'd have like a script idea. Yeah, yeah. I've never been dis. I'm very disciplined in life at certain things. I've never been a disciplined writer, and I wonder what that's about. Because actually, yeah, that's actually not true. That's not true. Um, I hammered out like two or three screenplays quickly at one point in LA because I had a friend who seemingly could finance it. And I was friends with another guy who was a live producer. Um, and I, so I started kind of seeing this, this road to like do like a digital short film or not even a short film, rather a feature, but uh, an independent, you know, digital, I forget what they call it anymore. You, uh, gosh, I'm so far out of that. It's been years since I've done this stuff. But the, the, anyway, so I, I wrote one and then I wrote another one shortly after. So I mean, I hammered out two full screenplays and real, I mean, I was pretty, pro- and, as a, and as you knew, as a sketch writer, sketch writer, I was pretty prolific. I could sit down and just yeah. hammer out sketches, yeah. and they were near perfect, in my opinion. Meaning, I don't think they needed a lot of rewrites. Right. Um, I just knew that I knew the formula. I knew the I knew the beats. You know. Yeah. So when when I need when I had an end, it's funny when I had an end game in mind, I was very disciplined, which kind of comes to your point earlier. Yeah. So when I thought, hey, here's a person who could finance independent film, I mean, I was shitting out screenplays that were nothing, and they're pretty good. Um, when I had reasons to write sketch comedy because hey, they're going to be performed, or there's a show coming up. Have access to a theater, whatever it is. I mean, I could hammer them out. I mean, when I wrote that Christmas show, I, mean, I hammered out all those sketches fast. Yeah, uh, yeah, you did years yeah. ago. And uh, I mean, and I did. I mean, I was real prolific as a sketch comedy writer. I could mm-hmm. write sketches. I think from years of watching SNL, being in that world. Yeah. So when I had a when I had a deadline and or a reason to do it, like it was gonna, it was going to come into fruition. I was very disciplined. Once that went away, 
all discipline went went out. For me to sit down and, and, and write, it just makes me sad, I think. I was just going to ask you that. Yeah, it, it makes me real sad, sad to, 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 to try and write. Um, mm-hmm. For sure it does. And then, uh, but then also there is that whole, well, there's other shit I could be doing. And, and again, once you're married, I've got two kids. I'm married. I've got other responsibilities. It's like, for example, when, when you have, like, say you want to write a, a screenplay, just for, first, one thing I'm horrible at, but oftentimes it requires research, right? Because you're writing about a world you may not be in completely, right? Whether it's a guy who sells cars for a living or a guy who was a, a fighter pilot in the 30s, whatever it might be, yeah. first you have to know what the fuck you're talking about. So yeah. that's a lot of work. Then you sit down and hammer it out. It's hard, <laughs> you know? And, and it's not like one of those things where I've got an hour, let me go write. You may sit at that computer for an hour and nothing comes out. So that's the other part of it, the frustration. Yeah. So it's it's tough. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a lot of sadness around it too. So yeah, I just I just hadn't. I kind of went away from it. And I, oh yeah, over the years, I've kind of dipped my toe back into that pool. But yeah, you've had a couple random things, and then yeah. they've just kind of gone like blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. I have one now. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. I have one now that I'm really excited about uh, this urban legend I heard. I'm not going to go into it now. But I heard this urban legend. I was like, is there any? And then I Googled it, and sure enough, it's like a thing. And I listen to podcasts, and I'm like, oh, this, this, this is funny. Like, it's a story that probably never happened, but it's, it's gained momentum over the last 45, 50 years. Yeah. And I'm like, that would be a really funny movie if it's any, any truth to it. Yeah. Or, I mean, even if there's not, I don't care. Right. Um, and so I'm, that's kind of whirling around in my head now. So kind of listening to podcasts. See what, or, Do you uh, feel like you're going to write it? I don't know. You know what's funny? My first thought came to me was, uh, well, shit, I don't have Final Draft anymore. <laughs> I think I have to buy wow. Final Draft again. I think you can do that. Yeah, but I mean, how many years? That com- like, I should be a stock owner in that company. Yeah, I, that I, is I, probably brand new software. Yeah, I still have Final Draft. ChatGPT could write it for you. Yeah, right. AI. AI, right? You're done by the end of today. Uh, write a good screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> done. Yes. Yes. So, so let's talk about uh, Fan Check, your mm. podcast, and how that, how, like, how it came to you, um, because... Because it's different than writing screenplays. Right. It's different than writing sketches. It's mm-hmm. different than acting in movies. Mm-hmm. Right? It's kind of a non-traditional way of being a part of the film and television world. Yeah. Um, yeah. What? And then, and then that you've. Uh, what has it been? Almost a year. It's coming up on a year. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting. Um, there's several different avenues that led to it. So I'll start with the first one. Okay, so, so, okay, I'm trying to think. Okay, in chronolo- chronological order, there's several different things that led to me doing this podcast. And the first one was a little thing, but it, 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 it stayed in my head. So I, um, I had been on a day date with my wife. We went through this phase where on Sundays, we'd go and get um, these bowls, acai bowls. Sunday, we'd go get acai bowls. And one day, we're getting an acai bowl, and I was looking at Facebook on my phone, like, like you do when you're on a date with your wife, right? So I was looking at Facebook, and, uh, and someone had posted... Um, a, a shot of, uh, oh my gosh, the $6 million man fighting with Bigfoot. It's from a real episode of the $6 million man. <laughs> and Andre the Giant played Bigfoot. Um, now, a different actor. Uh, now, the $6 million man was, um, oh gosh, I forget the actor's name. He was married to Farrah Fawcett. That's, that's awful. Anyway, um, handsome guy. I have no idea. Anyway, so he was a show. He's a fight. He's an experimental pilot. Astronaut essentially okay. gets into a bad crash, and we can put him together. We have the technology, so they make him into the bionic man. Uh, and, and he fought Andre the Giant, <laughs> or uh, he fought Bigfoot in an episode, but it was played by Andre the Giant. And, and what made me laugh about this, A, I remembered it, 
But B, I was like, this used to be, and like people sat around the living room and watched this. This wasn't ironic. This was this <laughs> week he's fighting fucking Bigfoot. It's played by Andre the Giant. And I got so excited when I saw this on Facebook and I had that inclination of like, I want to share this. I want to show this to people. And mm-hmm. it occurred to me, no one around me is even know what the fuck I'm talking about. No one's going to know. Mm-hmm. Because I'm in that rare zone of, um, I'm 46 years old, but I, I, I have the exposure and the memory of television of maybe like an 80-year-old, but also that of a 20-year-old. So right. I've kind of got this wide realm of knowledge, but you're not going to find people younger than me even though you, you didn't know what the Six Million Dollar Man was really. Yeah, I just heard the name. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I knew it was a show. Yeah. And, and uh, so there was some sadness around that for me. I was like, oh my gosh. So first I realized, oh, it's so exciting when I think of fun stuff like that. But I had this real sadness of like, wow, this is gone. This moment's over. Uh, no one's going to remember. Lee Majors played <laughs> Lee Majors was a six million dollar man. I just because it's Farrah Fawcett. He was married to her. But I, I, no one's going to know him. No one's going to know her. Shit, she's been dead. No, pretty soon no one's going to remember Farrah Fawcett. Andre the Giant's gone. And there will become a time where no one even remembers this. But also, more importantly, no one's going to remember that that used to be, like I said, real entertainment. Like that right. wasn't, if that was on now, you'd think it's an SNL sketch. No, that was yeah. real TV. So, so interestingly, there was a spinoff of the Six Million Dollar Man, which is the Bionic Woman, and she too fought Bigfoot. But that, that Bigfoot was played by Ted Cassidy, who was lurched from the Adams family. Nice. <laughs> see, that's the kind of shit that interests me. Right? No, I know. I would love to go back and see who's a better Bigfoot. Yeah. But anyway, so that was the first thing. This this knowledge, this notion of no one's gonna remember this. That makes me really sad. So there was. So was there? This is this is the kind of thing that I kind of like to break down um, for listeners, which because. Oh, I need to I need to complete an actual sentence right now. Okay, <laughs> is this thing of how did you know to say yes to this? I'm getting to that. I know, I know, but <laughs> right now you're breaking it down into sure, steps. Sure. So I just I just kind of want to like name for people how do we know to say yes because so many people get they get these hits, they get these whispers, they get this idea, something that gives them like goosebumps or something that lights them up inside, and you know a lot of times we say no and. But every guest I've had on, there's something that's like, how did you know to say yes? So there was something in seeing this in your in your day date with your wife. Mm-hmm. But I'm assuming you've seen things like this before in your Facebook. Oh, sure. Or whatever. sure. But there was something here in this moment because you still remember it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just in that moment, A, I, I just, it, it occurred to me how excited that, that post made me. Of like this fun moment. Yeah. But really it was more the sadness of like, oh, there's no one to share this with. But you had it, yeah. But then you had like an outside observer because we can have those feelings. I'm we not there yet. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's really. Interesting. No, there were several paths to this. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. it's really interesting because you had like because we can all have like oh this is this is fun oh no one would know and that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. Right. So that stayed with me. That whole oh I love that stuff and and, mm-hmm. and no one else can remember it. But also the notion of like but I do I remember that and and again like I just know these things I I just know that. He was the body man, and he fought Bigfoot, who was played by Andre the Giant. And there was a spinoff show, and then Lindsay Wagner was a bionic woman. And she, too, had interactions with Right. Bigfoot was very prolific in the 70s. Right. And, uh, like and that, was Ted, yeah, that was Ted Cassidy. <laughs> He's most famous as Lurch from the original Adams family. So, so I started to kind of realize, oh, I, I, again, prodigious. Like, I know this stuff better than most people do. And I'm at a unique age where, um, where I'm kind of young enough to, to, to remember the current stuff but old enough to really remember some obscure stuff in the 60s and 70s. So there was that. Now, what also is going on at this point 
is, and this is the weird part. I don't know how to explain it, so we'll have to work, we'll have to work through this together, okay. if you will. Um, but I had this really weird obsession. Not weird. I have this obsession with the movie Once Upon a Time. Oh, I like that you took weird off of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have this, I really, I shouldn't even say obsession, because that has a bad, uh, negative connotation as well. I really thoroughly enjoy Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, I just saw, saw the movie in the theater. I, ironically, didn't like it in the theater. Uh, only because I didn't care for the ending at the time. I've since grown to love it. Um, but I just started watching this movie basically every weekend. I mean, I've probably seen that movie now, without exaggerating, maybe over 20 times. Yeah. Which, and it's only four years old. Yeah. So I've probably seen more than 20 times since I do that math. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but I've seen it a lot. And, and at first I thought, well, of course I have. It, it's, an, it's a great, it's a perfect cross-section of things I love. I love Quentin Tarantino as a director. Yeah. And I always have. Love uh, 60s and 70s Hollywood. I've always loved that. And yeah. This takes place in 1969. Plus, the backdrop is 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 the the, the Manson murders, right? And I, I have a, a, a real knowledge of that. Yeah. I've even got pieces of the fireplace where those murders took place. I've been on tours in LA, seen all the spots, and so so it's a perfect cross section of all these things I'm pretty passionate about. And, and the cast was great on top of that. So of course I love that movie, but there was more to it. So I was like, why am I? Why is it this movie? And, and it was like a world I wanted to live in. So honestly, there was a lot of sadness in that movie too for me. So it wasn't like a like a fun throw me make a bowl of popcorn and go watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It was like, hey, let, let me wait till everyone goes to sleep. I'm gonna have some drinks and go feel shitty while I watch Once Upon a Time well, in Hollywood. You, yeah, a word that's come that I've actually heard you use recently, but a word that's come into my vocabulary, not as a new word, but as kind of its meaning, um, is longing. And I feel like that movie connected you to a lot of your longings. Yes, it really did. It was like a, a portal, if you will. Yeah. A gateway. And so so that was interesting, too, because it was like, okay, it's not, again, it's not like I was, you know, all right, the family's going to bed, and I can just stay up and watch this movie. It's going to be fucking great. There was a sadness that came with it, right? Um, but I also enjoyed the movie, don't get me wrong, but there was a sadness. So that's going on. So so I'm in therapy at the time, right? So I'm seeing a therapist, you know, once, twice a week, whatever it is. So we started talking about it, and and um, and, and he what he had me do at first is really leaning into why I like it, and so that really started to uncover all these other things I'm super into. Like I really love watching Columbo episodes, right? I love the show Columbo. So and 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 like the Rockford Files, and all these other fucking '70s detective shows. So he's like exploring that, like almost even asking, "Do you want to be a detective?" I was like, "I oh, know, truly don't. <laughs> I have no desire to be a '70s detective. <laughs> that would be that would be you know." That'd be a whole other set of issues. Um, but, but so in exploring it, it was like, well, I think, I think what makes me happy, and I don't know if I've ever really got to the bottom of it, but what came out of that was um, collecting all this stuff that I like and know about and finding a way to talk about it constructively and teach people about it constructively. Yeah. So that was the birth of the podcast. Because at first, you know, well, it's funny because at first it's like, well, what about a book? And of course, where, I, where does my brain go? Uh, well, who would publish? Can you even get a book published? And how does that? Yeah. <laughs> so it's the end game before there's even a problem. Well, that's so. That's also very societal. Like we're really, we're really encouraged to just pursue things for the joy of them. Yeah. Like, is it awesome that can, if it can make money and, and be you know financially sustainable? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But you know, I think a lot of times as adults, it's like, oh well, is it just a hobby? Is sure. it like you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, so that's it. Yeah. So, so I started thinking how I could get this stuff together, and then just one day it occurred to me to do a podcast. Um, 
and, and, and it's exciting too because um, in, in doing it, 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 I don't want it to be monetized. I actually don't want to make any money because I don't want anyone having any input. I, I, I want, you know what I mean? I want it to be my voice. I want to do it my way. I hate fucking listening to podcasts and hearing commercials. It annoys the shit out of me. <laughs> so I don't want to have a podcast like that. That's so it's something that I have full control over too. Because yeah. um, people tell me, Oh, you talk too fast. You just fuck off. I, I doing it how I want to do it. Yeah, <laughs> that's Slow it. Slow it down. Use your app yeah. to listen to yeah. it on a slower I, speed. <laughs> but I, I found my voice, and and for yeah. a while I lost it. We can talk about that too. But when I when I really found the rhythm, okay, here's when I want the podcast because I didn't jump into it lightly. I thought about it for a long time, probably a month or two of really hammering out ideas, and it occurred to me, oh, I know what I want it to be. Once I found that, I don't want to change it. And 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 if you know what, if people don't like it, I'm fine with that too because I'm really doing it for me. Yeah. Uh, as it turns out, I've, I've, I've gotten a lot of um, you know uh, um, downloads and, and emails from people and that kind of stuff. It's done well. Um, and I've had some some minor celebrities on at this point, which we can get to. Um, but but again, I do it my way, which is nice. So no input from others. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. So what do you feel like the podcast is, has given you? That's interesting. Hmm. Well, you know, I'll tell you. It's given me several things. This is one, that's, and it may not be one of the more important ones, but just one that came into my head. Is you know, I, I, I do a lot of endurance events, like uh, half marathons and the full marathon and climbing events and stuff. And, and what I like about those is when I'm training for them, it shifts what the working out is. It's not just working out. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I go to the gym regularly, but I don't like working out. I'm not, I'm not doing it. I don't, I don't want to do it every day so I can look better with my shirt off. It doesn't work anyway. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, but when I have something to train for, then it shifts it because now I'm, I'm training for something and then I start to enjoy it a lot more. Yeah. So what I found is that I'm, as I'm digging deep in, in this podcast and doing different episodes about stuff, I've also had to fill in a lot of gaps of knowledge. There's just certain things I don't know. There's certain big movies I, I didn't watch or certain shows that for whatever reason I just didn't watch. Yeah. So now I'm going back and watching all of those. I'm really enjoying it and I don't feel lazy. I, it feels like it feels like I'm training for something. Mm. So I don't know, maybe I'm just bullshit myself in a way of saying, I'm going to go take three hours off and watch a movie. But that's something it's given me. It's like, I'm doing it right now as we speak. I'm watching this Robert Altman movie from 1975 called Nashville. Yeah. Um, and I'm watching because I'm thoroughly curious about it. I like Robert Altman. I've heard a lot about the movie and it just fills in a little gap. So it makes me that much smarter yeah. next time. It's it, like a justifiable reason to do something that you love. Yeah. yeah. It'll right. make me sharper in the podcast. It's, I, you know, um, uh, and again, it's just, it just fills in some gaps. So that's one thing. I, yeah. So now I'm watching movies and watching old shows with a purpose rather than just wasting time. So yeah. that's kind of cool. Yeah. Besides that, what it's done is it's pulled in all this stuff and allowed me to focus it and channel it and get it out yeah. and, and work through some stuff, I guess. Um, which is fine because when I'm doing it also, it's not just um, digging in people's credits and talking about their careers, but I'm also telling personal stories. I kind of intertwine some of that stuff. A lot of the LA stuff because, you know, I've, I've met a lot of famous people over the years. I've got some funny stories about that. So I, I talk, tell those stories. So I intertwine all that stuff too. So I guess if anything else, it's, it's allowed me to kind of um, collect all the, cultivate all this information, collect it and kind of organize it and churn it out in, in bite-sized pieces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And what is it doing for your soul, if anything? Oh, I, I, yeah. Well, that's uh, interesting. Um, well, I, I like doing it. It's, it's made me happy. It's, it feels creative. On some hand, it feels creative. In other ways, it's like, well, is it creative if I'm just kind of taking information and regurgitating it? So I kind of go back and forth with that. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's given me a voice to do some creative stuff, the stuff that I'm passionate about, um, which has been great. It, but it's also, 
it, I feel like again, it's this is just the beginning of what of how it might be more creative. Like I, I feel like the podcast isn't the end game. Yeah. This is more just the, the start. Of this, yeah. So so let's talk about that for a second. So let me put my thoughts together real quick. So you said you don't feel like the podcast is the end, which is beautiful, especially considering there were so many years where you were like, I don't want to start this. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel worth it. And I think there are, I think there are a lot of people who are going to have the thought that I, that I'm about to say. And I think this is a thought that you had before. Uh, actually, I know it's a thought that you had before because we've had this discussion and, and it's around the idea of it's too late. Mm. It's too late to, to follow my passion somehow. And I think there are probably a lot of people, you know, in their forties, even in their thirties, you know, who are like, it's too late, which is bananas. And I'm sure if we were sitting here as 80 year olds, you know, we turn around to ourselves and be like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Thinking it's too late, you know, like it's bananas. Like until you're on your deathbed, it's not too late. But I feel like that was a lot of, a lot of it. And I feel, I feel like it was, it's been possibly the thought of it's too late has been around the idea of like getting a job as a writer on a show or writing Mm. a screenplay. Right. But that, that thought has probably also kept you cut off before now from something like Fanacek, like something that can be fulfilling for now, but it's not the end game. Do you feel like doing Fanacek and, and kind of like creating the space, possibly this being the shallow end? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, for sure. Cause it's also, it's also giving me back, um, um, a discipline to carve out time on a regular basis for this stuff. Yeah. For the, the, the creative stuff and, um, whether it's, you know, cause a lot of my episodes require a lot of research actually. Right. You know, um, some, some quite a bit of research. I mean, it's, yeah. I'm oftentimes, you know, I have like 25 pages kind of written. Oh, of, I know. Yeah. I've so, been on your podcast before and watched you flip through those pages. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so yeah, I mean, it's, I take it pretty seriously. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's kind of reinvigorating sense of like, I really enjoy it. It takes a lot of discipline and it's opened my eyes to, well, well, maybe this can lead to other stuff. And what's funny too, is I've seen some more, more often than not, it's comedians who do this, but I've seen some comedians who write books and it's basically what the book ends up being. Adam Carolla does this a lot, just as an example, who I've yeah. not listened to him in years and years and years, but I, he did this quite a bit. He would release a book, which was really just like a year's worth of podcasts reshaped into this book. Oh, so just so you know, bloggers would do that all the time. Okay, like in the know. mom blog world, that okay. it would just be like, here's my book. Hmm. It's a great place. Pick it up instead of reading it online. <laughs> sure. Howard Stern, how Howard Stern's last book, Howard yeah. Stern Comes Again. Um, it's just basically all his favorite interviews typed yes. out. So there's also that because now as I start to think about where would I want to take this or what, what I want to work on right or whatever it is, yeah. I can start to work on it through the podcast in, in a sense if I want to and start doing the podcast. Yeah. yeah. And so that could kind of be the segue into those projects. There's certain things I like to write or whatever. And then, and then you know, but also um, it's, uh, it's, it's introduced me to a lot of people. So it's, it's, to me, it's, the world feels smaller. Um, because I've had, you know, again, these are not, look, it's very small potatoes, believe me. But as I look at the podcast, it's only been a year, but in the last couple of months, I've had uh, an Emmy winner on, I've had an Oscar nominee on, and I've had a New York Times bestselling author on, right? And yeah. so as I expose to more of these people, it's not, I mean, I literally, not, like, literally, if I had a book idea right now, 
I have like two or three successful writers I could probably email and who who respond to me. I'd be like, hey man, I want to talk to you. Can you get on yeah. the phone? And I can talk to them. Um, screenplay idea. I, I have no doubt in my mind that, that Bennett Yellen would, would, would respond to my email or, or actually I have his phone number. He would take the call, <laughs> you know, and he wrote Dumb and Dumber. So the world's getting smaller to me. So that's also kind of not to always make it about the end game, but I've got places I could take this now. So, yeah. which is kind of feels exciting and, and we'll see where it goes from here. You know? Yeah. 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 So, so if I need to say more, let me say more. Mm -hmm. So how can you kind of tie in how you feel currently with that thought of like, it's too late? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, yeah. Re rephrase the question. I don't think I understand. Okay. So does, does, Obviously, obviously, it all doesn't feel too late anymore because you're doing things. So does it feel like, well, certain things are off the table, but I'm finding something else? Or who knows? Or Well, there's a little bit of that. I mean, there's a little bit of both. You know, um, it's funny because some things might be too late. And that's just the reality of the situation. I mean, um, I'm not in a position where I could quit my job. So so, so let's say... Let's say uh, Someone come. They love the podcast. I'm like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna pay you fifty grand. You just do a podcast. I couldn't do it. I'm like, sorry, fifty grand a year. You know. Um. So there's that. So you know, or or if I wanted to pursue writing, let's say I did get a job in a, in a writer's room. Hey, the pay would be awful. But also, I'm 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 assuming you'd be in LA. So do, am I in a position to move to LA for no money? So so there's certain things that are, and that's just the reality of it. Now, but you're never too old to to create. You're never too old to pursue these passions for sure. But you do have to, I think, I think you can't, but I, I think I'd be foolish in lying if I said, the world's your oyster, you do whatever you want. Because you really can't. You got other people to consider. And, 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 and so what I need to do now is find ways where it, it fits into the life that I have, which, I, by the way, which I'm not disappointed in. That's the other, I was like, going to ask you right, that. I'm like I'm, question. Yeah, because. Yeah, because I got it. I realized now I sound like an asshole. You just, don't sound like an damn asshole. Damn these wife and kids. <laughs> no, it's, I, you know, it's really interesting. And like, and I know that you, I know that you have different mental and emotional disciplines than I do, mm. but one of mine is meditation and it's going to make sense in a second. But sometimes I sit in meditation and, you know, the idea ultimately is to kind of clear everything aside from yourself as a divine being, if you will, right? Just you as a soul or you and your connection to the divine or to God or whatever. And um, there are times where it's like I have such an identity as a wife and a mom, you know, kind of like you, you do as a dad and a husband, and and they just seem like it just seems like our soul's purpose is like a separate connection to the divine than our relationships which is weird because our relationships serve all of these things mm -hmm. I absolutely believe our relationships serve all of them mm -hmm. but sometimes in meditation it's like I have to I don't have to, but some, sometimes I'll be like, okay, I'm sitting here and I'm still and I'm quiet and like I feel momish or I feel wifeish. Mm -hmm. And it's like, who am I if I just peel that off in this meditation? Yeah. You know? And so I know I know it's not a hundred percent what you're talking about, but you know, I guess I kind of want to give space to you and to anyone else who might have similar thoughts, which is like 
yes, our, our, like, and I'm sure you would agree, like, there's no, I wouldn't change anything about my life. And then there, there is like this aliveness piece that is unrelated to anything else in our life. Yeah. You know? Sure. So yeah, I just kind of wanted to like name it a little bit. Yeah, I think, I just think it would be, God, how unhealthy is it though to, to ignore something that really lights you up? I mean, that, that can't be good. Regardless of what you believe in, whether it's the universe or whether we have souls or don't have souls, whatever, right. it just can't be good. If you, I, I love this thing so much, yet I do nothing with it. I just feel like that. So that, so that's the positive that's come with it. Yeah. Um, also, you know, it, it's shaped it shaped a few things for me. It's also kind of further informed. It shed light on some of the same mistakes that I don't want to make with my kids. Meaning, um, I, I don't want them. I want them to pursue what they're passionate about. I also don't know that I want to, I need, I don't feel a need if they're not ready or they're not focused to send them to college for four years right after high school. Yeah. <clears throat> Take your ass out, go move to the city and get a job. Yeah. Figure shit out. Learn how to live in the world. Figure out what you want to do. You know, now again, you want to be a doctor, engineer, or a lawyer, then I guess the traditional college stuff is important. But, but I, I want them to go figure it out. I mean, you know, right now, you know, if one of them loves dance, you brought up dance earlier, then go figure out how to be a dancer. Because yeah. that shit, it can help when you're in your 30s. Go do it now. Go. Yeah. You know, and figure it out. And if you come back at 23 having having fallen short as a professional dancer, well, hey, I bet you learned a lot. You right. You gave it your best shot. You figured things out. You yeah. paid rent. You lived in a city. All these things, right? So I don't I don't want them to, to make the same mistakes. I, I gave away nine years of my life to the military. Yeah. And that sucks. And I'm angry about it. That's all me. I, I blame no one else. Me. But, but, but that's – the podcast has kind of given me the opportunity to funnel a lot of this stuff um, – Kind of re-enjoy it again, kind of get creative again, get more disciplined around the creativity again, and it's going to inform how I, I raise my kids because yeah. uh, I don't want them to make the same mistake. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to interject super fast. Mm-hmm. I think similarly. I mean, we have very different upbringings, but kind of like I said at the beginning, you know, I was I, I picked up a camera at 13. I had dark. I bought darkroom equipment with my confirmation money, mm-hmm. you know, and no one was like, "Hey, let's uh, let's." let's figure this out. Like, yeah. I, this is what I see what you're doing. Like, do you, do you need to go to college or do you need to, you know, should we get you in like, you know, working here or, or similar, right? Like, I don't know if I would have given a fuck about working for Vanity Fair, but for example, like, oh, there's photographers there. Can you be an assistant? Can you bring someone coffee? Can you see how they shoot? Can you see how lighting works? Can you, you right. know, we see you doing this. Yeah. 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 And so I think it's, it's similar. It's similar with my kids. Like, don't, don't go, waste this time yeah. if there's a real and, and and I think too just you know like you said about life skills I kind of for me define it as being a little bit scrappy you know just kind of the scrappiness of like oh, I'm gonna get my way in here I'm gonna I'm gonna I just know all these people and I'm just gonna ask this person like I don't know they're probably a little bit too big for me but I'm just gonna talk to this person I'm just gonna get my way in here you know just kind of learning these scrappy life skills would be street smarts a little bit right you know yeah that's important too yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But you were saying the podcast has brought back to you a lot. Yeah, for sure it has. And yeah, it's something, it's it's a discipline. I've been able to, I've learned a lot. I've reminded myself of a lot. I've, um, it, it's exposed what I'm interested in, what I'm not interested in. And you find your voice creatively as well, you know. Um, so so I was doing it, I, 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 Based on something I do in life, so one of the things I do in life is I'll, I'll, I'll be watching something on TV or even just thinking about something on TV, and I pull up my app, uh, my phone, IMDb app on my phone, mm-hmm. 
I'll look that person up. And actually, you know, like an hour has gone by because I'm it leads me to this person and this thing and that. And, and I put all these things together in my head. Um, like kind of like they, they, they talk about the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, that, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and so so when I started the podcast at first, I was like, well, I want to do it by TV or this or that. And what's it going to be? And I was listening to a lot of podcasts. I didn't really like many of them. A lot of them suck, quite frankly, when, it, when it's about <laughs> film or TV. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, well, why don't I just do it really what I do, which is the IMDb stuff. So... So what I like about my podcast, what I love about my podcast, it's in my voice. And I truly don't give a fuck if anyone likes it. And then what happened was I got a publicist. His publicist reached out to me through um, – he had managed Eddie Deason from, from Greece, who played Eugene in Greece. And I had him on the podcast. The publicist wanted to work with me. So I worked with his publicist, and he started putting these, these celebrities on my show. Um, well, you say, I mean, pretty fast, and you sort of phrase celebrity. Right. Well, to me, they're celebrities, but everyone, I mean, when you watch as much TV, everyone's a celebrity. I had Bruce Melanchon, who, who, a very famous comedy writer, head writer for the Oscars for a lot of years, a two-time Emmy winner, made a documentary back in the 90s called Get Bruce. But I had him on. So I, I interviewed Eddie Deason first, Eddie Deason from Greece, and I didn't like it. I'm just asking these fucking questions. I had Bruce Melanchon asking these questions. So I started really getting discouraged because it wasn't in my voice. So then what I started doing was, well, I, then I had other actors on, Andre Gower, Jeremy Mick, Jeremy Miller, they're all from the 80s stuff. And what I started doing is, well, what I'm going to do first, I'm going to do a fan check episode about them first, where it's me doing, going down the thing on their career, and then I'll interview them, because then it's more in my voice. And what I and ended up doing was informed how I interview them. Yeah. Um, so so what I found, too, is, um, yeah, I'm interviewing them in a, in a way they've never been interviewed before, because I, yeah. I truly know more about their career credits anyway than they do. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll remember what they did in one year. Yeah. And, and I've, I've, what's fun, ever since then, because Eddie Deason was, it was, I don't know, it wasn't so great. Nothing special. Bruce Lynch was nothing special. Yeah. But the rest of them, I really went into it knowing knowing more. And because I had more of an appreciation, and what I saw them do was start to turn, and they started being more engaging. And, and it really became, um, so so anyway, so I found a new way to, because I, I, I started really hating interviewing people. And then I ended up being really interested in it because, for me, if they've been in that world, I can find anybody interesting. You know, um, Andre Gower is a guy that I wasn't terribly familiar with, although I didn't tell him that. Um, but he was a star of a movie called The Monster Squad, and he's been on everything. He was on uh, uh, The Knight Rider, The A-Team, all these, Mr. Belvedere, like all these classic yeah. shows. Yeah. So for me, I was like, as I told him, I was like, I'm just a guy who reads about this shit. Like, you were there. I was like, that's fascinating. Yeah. So I guess something too is it's a genuine interest there. But I had, what I had to do was before I go down the road, so what was it like to work with this guy? I, I, I was like, I don't want to go down the road. Now I'm not me anymore. Now I'm just doing these bullshit interviews. So I had to stop and kind of figure out how I wanted to do it. And I feel like I'm rambling. No. But, well, but I, it's all. Yeah. yeah. I think I think this is a really interesting point that I want to break down for a second. Because I think one of the reasons, and we really, we really got into this in the Pool Boys episode too. Because I think some people are like, you know, I like movies. I should write a screenplay. I like movies. I should be an actor, right? We're kind of talking to the pool boys. Like I like sports. I should coach a team, right? We just do these very um, obvious things that we see in the world, you know? Oh, obviously this, obviously this. And it's kind of what we're talking about. Like, you know, you're not aware that something could look differently. So you keep saying it was in your voice. It was in your voice. And I love that phrase. And I also want to say that we could say it as something that was true to you, something that was in your natural flow, something that was your particular gift. Um, and so I think when people are looking for what, what is their in, how can they do their passion? It's like, there's going to be something about the way that, you know, you listener 
approach something that's really different. Like you said, like you go down these IMDb rabbit holes, you know, and, yeah. and you don't have, a, there aren't other podcasts like that because that's not their natural gift. That's not their right. natural inclination. That's not what they're sitting or spending time on. So if there are people out there that are like, what, what am I, what am I doing? What am I missing? Because I think we just take the obvious choice. Like in my world, it's a lot of like, oh, I know about this. I will coach it. I know about this. I will become a coach. I will right. lead a retreat. You know, like it's just this kind of obvious choice, but it's like, where's the nuance? Like, where's the subtle difference in there of something that you're, that you naturally spend your time doing something that you right. really, really enjoy you know, with the pool boys, with Kemper, someone was like, you know, you've always enjoyed running all of our office pools, you know, and that took sure. it from out of just like, I should coach or I should be a sportscaster or whatever. It took it to something that became something really unique that you don't see anywhere. Right. You know, and just like when, when, when you're saying it wasn't my voice, it's because you weren't working in your gift anymore. Right. You're right. Exactly right. I was just asking service level questions to actors and, and right. I, it felt like every other shitty podcast to me. Yeah. But when I started doing it my way, I liked it more. It became more compelling. And I feel like, and my goal too is whenever I'm interviewing these people, and I want to always make it right interviews, quite frankly, but, but it can be fun. But I want it to, I want it to, I want it for them to be different from anything they've ever experienced. And so, so like, you know, Andre Gower, for example, these guys get interviewed a lot. And I'm sure for him, it's the Monster Squad. There's people, I guess, has a cult following. People, I mean, it's like it, for a lot of kids, it's their favorite movie. So, yeah. so he's prepared to talk about that. When I was taking him down the road of like, you worked, he did a show that only lasted a couple episodes, but George C. Scott was the lead. George C. Scott. I mean, yeah. fucking A. And it was created by Ed Weinberg, who created Taxi. And, and, and I was like, I was like, let's talk about that real fast. I mean, Grant only lasted four episodes, but that's George C. Scott, created yeah. by Ed Weinberg. And, and we went down that road. He told some com really compelling stories about that, about working with George C. Scott and how George C. Scott wanted his eye line. When, when Andre was off camera, like really interesting shit. Yeah. Look, the monster squad, I get it, but he, he's not going to tell me anything that he hasn't said a hundred fucking times over. But if I, if I can really dive into his career and, and, and then he got, became totally engaged, was really telling these cool stories. Um, and again, then I learned stuff. I now know more about George C. Scott when I right. to work with him um, than I would have had I not done it that Yeah. Way. Plus you're, yeah. And yeah. And that's because you were interested. We always yeah, pick yeah. up more information mm -hmm. when we're interested in something. There's, yeah. some, there's some science behind it. And you have to have faith. <laughs> you have to have faith in what you're doing too. Like I, I, because I, I know there's some shortcomings in my podcast. Or not shortcomings. I shouldn't say that. But there's certain styles I have that can be seen as a negative. I, I talk a lot. I do most of the talking on my podcast. Yeah. But I want it. It's not because I, I lack self awareness. It's because I want to do that. That's kind of the point. And why would I be on a podcast? Let's take you, for example. You don't know your ass remember what happened this stuff. So why would you do the talking? Yeah, no. You know what I mean? Like, I should do the talking. That's right. the point. The point is it's, it's me. But also, um, I've been told you talk fast. I, I get it. I get it. This is how I want to do it. Yeah. I'm reminded of like, I remember one time I saw an interview with Kevin Costner. It's the second time I brought up Kevin Costner in this interview. I don't know even a particular Kevin Costner fan. But um, I remember one time seeing an interview with Kevin Costner and someone was saying about why your movies are strong because he directed Dancing with Wolves, which was like five days long, right? And then um, he did Wider because Tombstone had come out about, about uh, Wider. 90 minute movie, right? With Kurt Russell. But his version, Kevin Costner made Wyatt Earp, which is like a three hour opus, you know? And someone's asking about that, and they're like, why are you making movies so long? He's like, because I like long movies. So fuck off. That always stuck with me. He makes long movies because he likes long movies. That's what he's going to make. And if someone told him, well, you have to make a 90 minute movie, he probably said, well, I just won't make the movie. And that's how I am with my podcast. Yeah. It's like, if this is my art and how I'm going to do it and what makes me happy and excited, that's how I'm going to do it. Yeah. And, and that's, that's why I'll never let it be monetized or anything because I have no interest in other people's input on it.
you know, for all the movies you've seen, it's really fucked up that you have not seen Sibs at Game. You know what I mean? Because I really would love to make a, uh, I really love to ask a question about is this, is this love of 70s TV and all this cinema, is it like your, your rosebud? It was the sled though, I know the end. <laughs> Do you need to see the movie when you know how it ends? A little bit. But no, is yeah. it like. I actually didn't want to see it because of the shots. I've heard so many, he. He, was, he did. Uh, yeah, yes. he created that. Like he cut holes in the floor and was shooting from he there. Did. I wanted like yeah. to see that. Yeah. Yes, we should watch it. Um, yeah. So, so I guess kind of an ending-ish question. Mm. Um, but if you have more to say, you can say it. Um, you know, you mentioned a lot of anger and sadness about some of the early some actions you could have taken in the earlier years, which would have mm. taken you down a different path. You yeah. know. So, are you a believer in things happen for a reason, or are you in a, are you kind of a, I ruined some of my life? You know, yeah, ultimately, I, I believe that everything happens for you. And I don't feel like there's anything, so I didn't ruin my life, but yeah. I question some of the, I'm angry about like a lot of the decisions I made. Yeah. You know, but I wasn't prepared. But again, it's... I wasn't prepared at, at 18 to leave high school and start working in, in ABC in their mailroom. Right. You know, by the way, Bob Iger started at fucking ABC in their mailroom and worked his way up, became an executive at ABC and this and that at ABC and then Disney bought ABC and eventually was born at Disney. He was the CEO of Disney. He started at the ABC fucking mailroom. So that's why I brought up ABC. I'm like, that's the literally, and I know where that is. I can, I can walk you to that building right now if you're interested. Yeah. You know, um, and, and so that's Bob Iger's story. That's not my story, right? And so my story um, is just different. And what, what I will say, though, is I've changed the, the whole trajectory of my uh, lineage. If you, I would say my family, but I don't have any communication with anyone anymore. So the only blood relatives I have any communication with are my daughters, right? So, but I've changed it because I am by far the most successful person in my bloodline. So there's that. So, so now instead of like, you know, loser, 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 well, no, I guess you'd say loser, but you know, uh, as far back as I can go, uh, immigrant, sweatshop, loser, loser, me. <laughs> wow. Brilliant. Uh, well, there was no like came over from Italy and fucking built a company. It was came over from Italy and yeah. was a, worked on a bridge one <laughs> built it and died. Well, fucking fell off a building and died. I come from those people. <laughs> He didn't own the building. Well, I was working on it. It fell off and died. Wow. Then, you know, like stonemasons. And one of them was an Italian guy who was a stonemason. That's fine. There's honor in that. But, I mean, but he was poor. His kids were poor. Their kids were fucking poor. So I come from a lot of that. Now, what I've done is I've changed that trajectory and in that my kids have had a very different upbringing than I had, meaning um, two parents who are married, house that they can be proud of, uh, school opportunity. If they want to dance, they can dance. They want to play soccer, they can play soccer. They can... You know what I mean? I've taken care of all their needs and most of their wants. You know what I mean? And, and so there's that. And so that's a good feeling. Yeah. Um, now what I want to do, though, is, is make sure they have that fire. Because I don't know if they're going to be as driven as I am. Because yeah. what we didn't talk about is in my career, very, very successful. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten about as far in this industry as you can go without traveling a lot. The next step for me in my career would be something where I was definitely more corporate and, and, and having to travel, which I have no interest in. Um, I, and, and I got there cause I was, just, I had like a fuck you attitude to, not, not to people, but towards 
I just grinded out. I figured it out every step of the way. Yeah. And excelled at every step of the way. I want to make sure they have that because I have been around. I've had I've had colleagues or counterparts, contemporaries, who were rich kids or their dad worked for the company and they just didn't have what I had. I was scrappy and they were just lazy. They didn't 100%. have it. They grew up their whole fucking lives knowing how special they were and didn't have that fire. I grew up my whole life basically feeling like, well, the good stuff is for other people, right? And I'm not one of them. Um, so I hope that the, that the my girls have that fire. Yeah. So that's but 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 the rest of it is, is so so no. Everything I does happen for a reason, for sure. Very happy with my life. Now what I want to do is get back to some of this creative stuff. Because that's the thing, too. I feel like I've wasted a lot of gifts. Yeah. That, that I'll say. I've, I've definitely wasted a lot of creative gifts. Because I was really good at what I did. I mean, um, I, I just, as someone who knows a lot about sketch comedy and who's, um, I've read all these books about SNL and how hard, I mean, they'd step all night to write one sketch and I need massive rewrites. Even me all night, I'll give you five sketches that probably need no rewrites. I mean, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the beats are all there. I mean, maybe one or two jokes could be punched up or something. But for the most part, they'll be ready to go, ready yeah. to be filmed. And that all, you know, that all went away. And, and I'm now, at, at 46, I'm not going to move to New York and make 75 grand years as a writer at SNL, one of 30 writers. But maybe I can I can find other things to do and, and make sure my daughters, if, at 19 and 20, they want to be SNL writers, will they get off their ass and learn how to do it. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so here's my last question. Mm-hmm. And you can answer this in specifics, generalities adverbs, whatever you want. Sadly, someone likes to write. I don't know what an adverb is. Adjectives. I know what an adjective is. That's, that's a descriptive word. I think it's like two. Isn't like two? I don't know. I thought it was action words had to do with marketing. Adverbs. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah no. See, sketch comedy. All right. Adjectives, All right, generalities, specifics, any way you mm-hmm. want. Mm-hmm. So, it's 40 years from now, you're 86. Mm-hmm. What's the story of the second half of your life? Hmm. That's interesting. I would like some. There's some goals that I have. I think. If someone's talking about you, like he uh, at 46, he and this is what he. That's a good question. I'd like to have more accomplishments on the creative side, meaning. Um, I don't. I don't have any desire to be remembered for my career. I, 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 my career has been very lucrative for, for me and my family, but I feel like it's one of those days. The, set, the day I retire, I empty out the office, and I don't. Like I don't. I don't envision uh, being in, in the den in, in my seventies right. and having my future son-in-law come over and I'm telling about my fucking career. I don't. Right. I just don't envision that. You know right. what I mean? I don't envision my daughters describing me as he worked for this company. He did. I just. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's weird. That's something I'm going to do until the day I retire. Then done. Um, so I think, I think I'd like it to be, I'd like some more, I hate to say it's more tangible accomplishments on the creative side. I mean, I'd love to write a book or, or have a completed screenplay, even if it's not made in anything, but just have a written screenplay or, uh, just, I don't know. I think, I think I'm going to put myself out there more. I think I might sub, sub, uh, submit some writing stuff Yeah. just for the hell of it. Even just to get a rejection letter, I can frame the rejection letter. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I'd like, I'd like some more of that. I'd love, I'd love to, um, I'd like to do the podcast on a different level too. I love nerds because I'm really nerdy about stuff, about TV and film. Yeah. I'd love to be around other nerds. I'd love to maybe go to like conventions, like you know, these, these uh, signature, you know, autograph conventions where they go, you wait in line to meet the third lead in Star Trek, whatever the fuck. Um, but I'd love to go and kind of find a way to work the podcast into that world, whether you're interviewing people or what. So I just want to do more of it, but I love some tangible stuff. Yeah. 
you know. Um, so, yeah. That doesn't really, always mean money, but right. that'd be cool. So you've planted a seed, and mm-hmm. you've got a little something growing. Yeah, so something you'd growing. like to water the fuck out of it and sure. stick it in some sun and see where it can go. That's it? Yeah. 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 Fanacek. <laughs> Did you want to do like a Fanacek sign off? Uh, I would, and it was stay tuned for the next exciting episode of Fanacek. Fanacek. Of creativity. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's fine. <laughs> but, uh, but even that makes me happy. I know we're about to end it now. I'm dragging it out. No, it's but fine. I love the, the art that I have. Like, even that makes me happy. Your artwork. Mm hmm. The artwork, which is like an old Cadillac from, it's a, basically a shot of a city. I don't know what city it is. From looks seemingly the late 60s. Back of a Cadillac, and I modeled it. It's yellow print. It's modeled after those old uh, Sunday night and Tuesday uh, NBC mystery shows, which was like Columbo, yeah. uh, Macmillan and Wife, uh, Banachek. I did want to throw in this question. This is the longest episode I've had. Mm-hmm. I did want to throw in this question because you said um, you have talked about you know family, mm-hmm. and you were like, oh, I don't want to come off as jackass. I do want to ask, and you know, I, you know, I know you. So I know a little bit of the answer, but I want to hear your answer. Mm. Also for anyone who's like, I have a corporate career and I have a family, but I want to do something creative. How, like, how does that work? Does your family resent you? Does your family give you space? Like, what is it like, you know, what is it like if someone's out there like, I would like to pursue a passion, but I don't feel like I could take any more time from my family or Mm. I don't know if they would support me. My wife is an ungrateful hag. (laughs) She sounds like a bitch. Uh, yeah. Um, no, very supportive. Very supportive. You know. Um, but there's give and take, right? I mean, you have to support their two as well. Now, I'd say my family's very supportive, and and, and honestly, it, it just say, well, I've got responsibility, and I've got a family. That's also an excuse because you have to make time for everything. Just like fitness, health, eating healthy, working out. I mean, you have to. You know, I I roll my eyes when someone says they're too too busy to stay in shape. So uh, it's the same way I would expect someone to roll their eyes if, if I say, well, I'm too busy to do a podcast or I'm too busy to write a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, you know. The only difference I'd say is that the, the problem with writing is oftentimes you're at the mercy of inspiration and that can be challenging. There's wisdom around that as well. Yeah. 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 But no, I'm, I'm very supportive. I have a very supportive family for sure. Very lucky. Thank you. Thank you for sharing the ways that you're creating beautifully in your life. And uh, we'll have you back on yeah. in like six months or so and see what's happening with Fanachek. Well, I'm just uh, glad I have a story that would be worthy of being on it because otherwise, if you're not creating beautifully, then what do you got? You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Then you're just letting your life. Yeah, so it's kind of cool. I'm it. excited that I could be a guest because otherwise, <laughs> I could watch you. That person created. That person will skip him. That person's creating. So. so, do you feel like you didn't really have a story worth of? Worthy of creating beautifully before this? I probably didn't. Mm-hmm. Well, I would have been an example for what not to do, right? Yeah. Um, so now I feel like I'm an example. I'm a positive example, if you will, of getting out there and creating something that you're passionate about. So you pull a garden out and you take the tarp off and you go, all right, what's dead in here? What might be alive in here that I didn't know was alive in here? What's growing? Does it need new soil? And let's start. Yeah. You, just, you just have to find your... Bonnet Man versus Bigfoot. <laughs> Everyone has that moment. Every, yes, find your Bionic Man versus Bigfoot moment. That's long, and I feel like we need to shorten it. Feel free to YouTube that, by the way. It's real. <laughs> it's fun to watch. I think it is. Okay. All right, let's wrap this up. Yep. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much. And 
that was Fanacek. I highly, highly recommend that you check out his podcast. You can find it on all major podcasting platforms. There are also links to it in the show notes. It is F-A-N-A-C-E-K, Fanacek. And if you are out there wondering, where is your purpose? Where is your passion? Just follow what lights you up. Trust it. And friends, go forth and create beautifully.